Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 28, 2019. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 2, and we're on page 28, the fifth paragraph, which is the last paragraph that starts in the following chapter, and we're just reading that one paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Jackie M., for the 12 Traditions, Pat M.S. And reading the text are Jason K., Amy G., and Allison L. The reference numbers for Monday, May 27, 2019 are, for the 7 a.m., 12,957, that's 12957. And for the 10 a.m. are 12,959, that's 12959. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jackie M. to read the 12 steps. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from upstate New York, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jackie. I will now ask Pat M.S. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning, family. This is Pat M. S. from um, Alabama reading the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for allowing me to be of service. Thank you so much, Pat. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 28, the fifth paragraph, and I will ask Jason Kay to begin reading. Good, mo- good morning. This is Jason Kay, recovered from both feeder and bleeding outside of Philadelphia. In the following chapter, in the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism as we understand it. In a chapter addressed to the agnostic, many who were once in this class are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. Um, and this, for me, is another uh, great promise uh, of the big book. We can come in atheist or agnostic, uh, and that doesn't bar us from this spiritual experience. So thank God today this is an open, roomy uh 
uh, path that um, even for someone like me who was uh, a militant atheist at some point and then, you know, read some things, had some life experience, became somewhat agnostic, um, but didn't really, really uh, live my life like God was a part of it um, and still had a lot of prejudices, a lot of reservations. Uh, a lot of pride and ego and selfishness, uh, though I wasn't quite sure about that, even for somebody like me, I could find an approach to this. And uh, for me, when I was really ready and willing, uh, it didn't matter that I had agnosticism in my past. Uh, and my alcoholic mind, uh, the, the, the mind of uh, the disease and the ego, wants to complicate things and it wants to put up great obstacles when in fact there aren't none. And here it's telling us that this isn't a great obstacle. Um, and, uh, you know, the second step isn't such a complicated thing. Are we now willing to believe uh, that a power greater than our, ourselves uh, can restore us to sanity? Can we, can we, are we now open to believing that? Are we willing to believe? If so, yes, move on. We don't have to make uh, such big obstacles, and I found when I made such great obstacles about this, it was real, really me being unwilling. I didn't really want this. I wasn't really ready. I haven't really surrendered. I haven't really suffered enough. And when I was finally really um, ready and willing, nothing, uh, nothing could stop me, and I could start to see the truth because it's in black and white. This isn't a great obstacle. We don't have to define God fully and wholly and really understand it and uh, to take step two. We just have to be open and willing to believe and to move on. And thank God um, there was that surrender for me. And thank God today I can move uh, in and through my life with a, a, a God that's a companion to me, that's a, a, a source, an ever-present source um, that, that, that provides that protection from that first bite that I can't provide. Um, this God that's lifted me up um, to places that I didn't think I could go. Uh, and, and thank God for that. I'm grateful, grateful for that today, uh, grateful to participate in my recovery, uh, to be uh, in this meeting uh, among people on this line uh, with that path. Thank you, Jason. Okay, so we're on page 28, the fifth paragraph. Uh, who would like to share? Press star one to unmute. Tina S. Tina S. Julie R. Teresa Teresa. You take a few more names. Kelly S. Kelly S. Okay. I have Tina you. S. Beth W. Charles H. Charles H. Okay. So that's a good lineup. We have Tina S., Julie M., Teresa, North Carolina, Kelly S., Beth W., and Charles H. Go ahead, please, Tina. Tina, we can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was I was unmuting. I was waiting for you to call me. <laughs> Tina has recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Wow, you know it's such a po a small paragraph, but really contains a lot of information for me. And I love that that the um, 
reader said that, you know, this is a promise because this was a promise for me also. You know, when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, uh, you know, I thought I had this thing made. You know, I had been raised in a, in a religion. I hadn't been practicing for many, many years, <laughs> but thought I had this made because I believed in God. But one of the things that I know is that I was certainly an agnostic. You know, I believed there was a God, but I believed he worked for maybe you, but I never saw him or wasn't willing to look at where he had worked in my life. I had, you know, left this religion, you know, as a senior in high school, and I was on my way because I surely knew that I wasn't footing the bill. You know, I was not made of what I thought my religion required me to be, you know. And so what I do know, and it was shared, is in the second step, you know, I don't need to be anyplace else. I just need to be right where I am and, and to be willing to believe so that something bigger than me can restore me to sanity. You know, and I love that it talks about that there's no great obstacle to spiritual experience. And the only obstacle is me, for sure. You know, I stand in the way of all my spiritual growth. You know, God does not shortchange me. I shortchange myself, for sure. You know, one of the things I am also so grateful for is I had an opportunity to to be led by somebody in whom the problem had been solved to show me, and it talks about it in the next paragraph, to show me the solution to my spiritual problem, you know, because for sure, you know, lack of power was my dilemma. It was not my food. It was not my eating or my not eating. It was not my exercising or my not exercising. It was my lack of power that I thought I was God and I tried to play. And, and I was just, my life was so unmanageable by me. So was I willing to do something different to get something different? And I am today, you know, uh, with a power greater than myself and practicing these principles in all my affairs, I have an opportunity today to be free. And with that, I'll pass. Great stuff. Thank you, Tina. Julianne, you're up, followed by Teresa. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Julie M. Recovered in Colorado. Um, yeah, the the part in this that really jumps out to me is um, how it's talking about how surprisingly enough we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. And <clears throat> that just seems impossible because my convictions when I came in were that there couldn't be a God. There is, was not possible um, after what had happened to me as a child. And what I realized when I, when I got to step two um, was that I, I couldn't come to believe in a power greater than myself, that that could restore me to sanity. Because the only way that I'd been able to survive so far was to believe there was no God. When I realized that I was going to need to believe in something, I fell apart because I thought, if there's no God and this happened to me, then somehow I can be okay. But if there's a God and God actually let that happen to me, then I'm I'm worse. I, I'm less than nothing. If God really just didn't wasn't there at all, and what my sponsor said to me was, Julie, it's not that there's no God. It's that you were never taught to connect to God. Your, your higher power has always been there. I couldn't say the word God for years. And so I, I acted as if that was true. That was just what I grabbed onto. It was the only string that I had to connect me to 
the hope that I saw in other people in the rooms. And I just went with it and I took action, the action of seeking and the action of, you know, I'd look at a plate of food and I would say, I would look and I'd know if it was abstinent or not. And I would, I remember just being like, F you, God, like F you, you, you don't exist. You, you suck. And, and I would feel something come over me that I, I knew I was lying. And then also experiences where I would, I would just say the serenity prayer over and over and over every day. God grant me the serenity to accept. And I'd fill in the blank for something I could not change. Something about my daughter and her drug use. Um, and I'd finish the prayer, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, which is from my skin inward and the wisdom to know the difference. And it was only through taking those small actions that I would feel some kind of softening within me. And I started to see the miracles. And that's the only way that I was able to establish a connection and and every day I see that connection and that's what has saved my life thank you thank you Julie okay Teresa from North Carolina and then Kelly S is this this is Teresa F is it my turn yes okay hi good morning this is um yeah such a small little um, paragraph, but uh, even this morning when I was walking my dog, I was thinking about how um, I often tell people I didn't sign up for this. You know, I really didn't. Um, I was I was definitely a very angry atheist and um, just so confused. And I think so much of it was just pride. And someone once told me in my journey this far that anger usually is masking fear, and that was foundational because you know it does come down to fear like am I lovable am I worthy you know what what is life you know but um, I just had such a low view of a a higher power Um, and uh, I do love to share so far they're just they're just wonderful but you know I've been in in and out of the OA rooms for 15 years now and I'm going through just the most amazing grief right now um, just in my family life is just indescribable and yet I have not picked up my triggers uh, in, in, in anything um, uh, uh, it, it's just astounding to me that there is a power that's greater than me and that he pursued me um, all this time I remember the very very beginning of getting into um, OA you know, knowing that I'm like a clever person and, you know, kind of a smart person, could never figure out how to not be a compulsive overeater, how to not fall into bulimia, how to not have, you know, other, other you know, problem drinking and stuff. Um, never occurred to me at all to abstain from, from those things that were my triggers, you know, that just never occurred to me. And so when I got into program, that was the, the suggestion, and the suggestion was to lean on this higher power the power to do that you know um that was groundbreaking and i was really kind of sarcastic about it and i tell people too i remember the first day i had that craving 
you know, because I understood, okay, I need to be abstinent. Here's the craving. i got to call on this higher power. And I set the timer on my microwave, and I said, I'm going to give you five minutes, God, you know, because I guess you're there, and this is this program, and it kind of makes sense. And, you know, it was just beautiful because 20, 30 minutes went by, and I was playing with my children and living life, and the craving was totally gone, and I'd moved on with my life. And, like, I realized, you know, it was over. The craving was over, and, and, and there was something behind that because I'd never been able um, to have a handle on this food problem at all uh, from the age of um, probably 15 to, like, 35. And so um, God is a, a gentleman, <laughs> and, he, and he's subtle, and, and, and he, he, he pursues me and, you know, does not beat me up over the head. That, that was my job, to beat myself up over the head. And, you know, I was really, really good at it. Um, and so, yeah, to, to me, uh, it, it is so true that, that, that there was no great obstacle um, I brought all of my anger. Uh, Time. Thank you very much. Brought all my anger to him, and, and he resolved it. Um, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Teresa. And now we'll have Kelly S., followed by Beth W. Hey, Katie. This is Kelly S. Uh, thanks for your service. Kelly S. recovered in Oklahoma. Um, grateful to be on the line this morning. Uh, so, you know, you guys know me, I've been around these rooms for 30-something years, and um, like a lot of people, um, my mind is my worst enemy, and I was just sure if there was a God, he didn't care about me, and it talks about that in literature, because I prayed and prayed and prayed my whole life, and God never helped me, at least not the way I wanted him to help me, and it talks about that too, you know, it's like I gave God a list, just like a Santa Claus, and because he didn't deliver it, which was make me skinny now, God, make me stop eating now, God, give me patience now. And that wasn't happening. And that, that many didn't care, you know. And I've been around these rooms for 30-something years. He didn't care. He wasn't helping me. There, Therefore, my expectations weren't met, and there's not a God. Um, and so I know I've shared this before, but what really started my um, open mind was doing a set-aside prayer every day uh, almost five years ago, and I still do it every day because it can, my mind can still get in the way, and I needed to um, set aside everything I knew about myself, my brokenness, and my God, this God that I thought I had, and and just be open to that, right? And so, um, you know, I used to always want to make sense of God. I mean, I had to make sense of this God thing. It didn't make sense to me, but I'll tell you guys what. I never... It, Making sense of my disease never stopped me. It didn't make sense to be over 100 pounds overweight. It didn't make sense to binge and purge until I was underweight or over-exercise. It didn't make sense. And I, and I sometimes wondered about it, but I did it anyway. So, you know, I have to do that with my higher power thing. You know, it's like, why do I think I have to understand God to practice this program? I don't. I just had to get out of my way and act as if. And I know I'd heard that before forever, but, you know, I kept waiting to feel God. I want to feel God. You know, I'm all about feelings. And as we know, there's no end to feeling chapter, right? It's into action. So I had to start acting as if I believed. And I'd heard that forever. But I heard this one person say one time, and I loved it. So I used to always hear this opposite thing of, from, from Christians. You know, it's like, so what if I get to the end of the, my life and I die and I find out there's a heaven and I don't get in? Oh, my gosh. You know, I need to live life differently. But I heard it this way, and I loved it. It's like, so what if I choose today to live by spiritual principles and what are those honesty, truth, you know, uh, everything this program teaches us, the 12 steps are principles of life. So what if I choose today to live by spiritual principles and I get to the end of my life, I'm going to wrap up here, um, and find out there's not a God. Well, guess what? 
Does it really matter? I lived my spiritual principles. I made people around me happy. I was of service. I lived a full life. I was free from this compulsion, you know. And so today I'm choosing it. I don't have to make sense of it. My disease doesn't make sense. I get up every morning. I connect with God. I work this program. I put the food down black and white 100%, and I connect with you guys, and I stay in this book. And so grateful for that today. Set aside prayer, guys. It really works. Glad to be here. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, Beth W., you're up, followed by Charles H. Hi, good morning. This is Beth W., compulsive overeater, recovered today um, in North Dakota. Um, I, um, I'm surprised that I decided to share. I don't know. It was just um, my hand reached out and decided to share. When I um, first came to the program, I didn't think I needed to read that next chapter that says, to the agnostic, I, I was sure I was a believer. And um, and what I've learned is that on any particular day, I can be an atheist, an agnostic, or a believer. You know, that there's no God, or maybe there is a God, but that God's not for me, or isn't helping me, or or I believe in God, and, and I'm completely connected. Um, and it all has to do with me and my attitude. It has nothing to do with God. God the God of my understanding is always there, and always um, available, and always supporting me, and... Um, it's interesting that I can shift along that, that spectrum on any, you know, within an hour, within moments, um, <laughs> and back again. But um, what I love is that it doesn't have to be an obstacle to a spiritual experience, that, that my spiritual experience can happen at any moment, um, on any given day, and over and over and over again. I kept waiting for that huge white light, tumble out of bed, fall to my knees, have a great moment, what I've learned is my spiritual experiences happen in, in tiny, tiny moments of, of just small moments of gratitude or small moments of, oh, I was absent all day today and, and another day has gone by or, oh, look at the sunrise. It's amazing. Or what a great weekend I had um, visiting family and friends. Or, um, and I was completely present with them. I didn't have to live in angst about what I wish it had been or how I wish my life had turned out differently or, um, or, you know, it just, I was, you know, those are the spiritual experiences that I crave now and, and, and are fulfilled all the time. And, and that is not my doing. That is all the doing of the God of my understanding who blesses me and fills me every single day. And I don't have to fill, I don't have to fill that with food um, or alcohol or or other compulsive behaviors of of people and things and places, I can simply show up and be who I believe God wants me to be. And that for me is a spiritual experience every day. And uh, so I know that um, I am a believer. I'm no longer an agnostic, although I can slip right back into that at any moment. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Beth. Okay, Charles, you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares. Thank you. Thank you very much, moderator. Charles H., uh, compulsive overheater, recovered just for today. And um, it's so amazing. This this little small chapter, I mean, this little small paragraph reminds me of, um, they're telling us about um, in the following chapter, which is more about alcoholism. And it, this little this little uh that little line reminds me of uh, Tradition 6. Three of the four gentlemen 
that were that that uh, more about alcoholism discussed, they were chasing money, and 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 like Kelly said about the set aside prayer, you know, especially Fred. Fred's like, you know what? Not a cloud in the sky. I got everything is going right, except for the fact that he's an alcoholic, and he wouldn't admit that because money, power, and prestige diverted his primary purpose. And he had to he had to be beaten down, and he had to have experience, and I so identify with him, with that. Jim, the same thing. All this rationalization, and and um, what's the other guy? You know the other guy, um, the man of thirty. You know he he had a good career and all that, and he was an alcoholic, and he he got smashed. They were all abstinent. They all put down the liquor for a little while and chased money until they. And unfortunately, the man of thirty. He passed away from his addiction, you know. And and I need to set. I need that. My experience was was um was my 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 saving grace, but my why was my conviction. My why was my conviction. I was all my mind was in the way. Why do I need this higher power? Why do I need to work these steps? Why do I, I had to I had to set aside my why, right? I had to set aside. What everything, you know, how I felt about what people was doing and what they weren't doing, I had to set aside all of that. And and, and that was my conviction. That was my great obstacle. The book is telling us there's no great obstacle, right? It, uh, the, the, the second part of the first step of my life was unmanageable. Man, I don't care who you are. Come, come save me. What do I have to do? Forget that why today. There's millions of people. And you know, around and not wanting to work the steps because they got the why, they got the the big shotism. I had to set that all that aside, right? And once I set all that aside, it was good money. It's good money every day. I had a a, a family. I'm gonna shut down, but I had a family. You know, I hung out with my family, and they some crazy people. And I had to set aside that they crazy because I'm crazy too. And I was a peacemaker. I was a warmonger, man. I wanted to hurt people at every level. And when I set aside everything, I had no more conviction. And my life is good money right now. I even, I'm even i even glad to go to work today. Go figure. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page 28, the last paragraph, and we read through just that one paragraph. Who would like to share? I'd like to share. It's Fran M. from New Jersey. Fran M., Leah S. Ann M. from Minnesota. Nancy Ann P. M. Leah S. Nancy P. Okay. Anyone else? Nicola H. UK. Nicola H. Terry C. Carrie C. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Deb, Debbie E. Debbie E. Okay, let's go with that group. We have Fran M., Leah S., Ann M., Nancy P., Nicola H., Terry C., and Debbie E. Everyone, please press star one. That would be great, unless you're Fran M. Hi, it's Fran M., 
I'm from New Jersey, and I'm grateful. I love this little paragraph because basically it says if you're an agnostic, that's fine. You can find a spiritual experience too. And especially back in the 30s, I think, which is when Bill wrote this book, that was a pretty open-minded thing to say, and I'm grateful that he did. Um, I have a concept of God, but it really equates with goodness. Um, I am wary of religious people, I have to admit, because from history, everybody thinks God is on their side. You know, opposite sides in a war think God's on each side, so which is it? Um, And I, you know, I also feel like, you know, at least 70% of the people on this line are women, but everybody refers to God as a man. I don't think of God as a person. I think of God as just ultimate goodness, and it behooves me to be humble and know that I may never know what really the right thing is. And I pray to have conviction when I sense unequivocally that something's right, but whoever knows that. So I just try to be humble and work the program in a very small way, which means I apply it to my eating disorder. I know that inside me, my mind will give me the wrong answers as to what to eat, how to eat, how much to exercise, and how much to weigh, and that I have to turn to a power greater and stronger than myself so that I don't practice what I think is right. And as far as other matters in life goes and working the steps, I love the impulse to try to be good, but I am you know, always not so sure of what that is. And I pray to be humble because the other thing I find is it's really great that we practice this program, but um, I think we also have to be humble because sometimes, you know, it's very hard to know what the right thing is or what's right for someone else. I mean, millions of people in the world think that God tells, speaks to them directly, and to me that's pretty dangerous. But again, my God is not a man. I don't like to refer to God as he. I wouldn't want my daughter to think there's some man up there giving orders, or my son. Uh, God to me is goodness, and I strive every day to figure out what it is, but I'm most accurate when I apply it in a very small, limited way to my eating disorder. There is a power greater than myself, and sometimes it can just be another person in this program who has more abstinence than I do to tell me what the right thing is, and then I'm sure that it's right. Thanks for letting me share, and thanks, Bill Wilson, for letting all of us who may believe in God in less traditional ways, uh, be graced by the comforts and the benefits and the strength of this program. Thanks. Thank you, Fran. Okay, Leah S., you're up, followed by Ann M. Thank you so much, Katie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah S., recovered in Brooklyn. Okay. In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism and for me, overeating, food addiction, as we understand it. And then there's an entire chapter addressed to the agnostic, and that's me, Leah. And I, I, I never understood what is, uh, what does my resentments and anger have to do with my food? What is the correlation? And here they're telling you that they're giving you an entire chapter for those who are agnostic. Um, Bringing that power into my life was something that I had to do consciously. 
that I really had to connect to. And the way I connected was by understanding that this is a power. Just as there is a power of being angry, there is a power of being of being kind and a power of love, a power of expression, and to bring it into my own heart and to understand it with my food. And then I can put it to be all-inclusive and not exclusive and to just allow that kindness and um, love to penetrate me. The ones that I would imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, that I would like to have, and and slowly but surely, I, be- I started believing in that power, but it didn't come right away. Just like I used to do lip service up up until now. I mean, up until five years ago, until I came into these rooms, I used to do lip service. But now it's not. It, it's with my entire being. It's with that power, with that love and kindness that I have. And that is what I call God. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, Anne M., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. This is Anne M., recovered in Minnesota. And uh, what a, um, a small paragraph filled with an abundance of information and insight. Um, when I came into the program, I also brought with me the God of my childhood. Looking back at that now, um, this God was very judgmental. I felt as though I was always looking over my shoulder, uh, being judged at every move for every word. It was like this body could never even relax and exhale. Then I found there was a solution to this food and of course I dealt with being judged uh, by eating and which just got me into that vicious cycle um, and made things even worse made me I felt even worse about myself so when I realized I could have a God of my own understanding um, that that was pivotal to my uh, recovery. And looking back now, I could not have scripted my life as it is today. I would have sold myself so short. The thought that I could live life on life's terms and not have this knee-jerk reaction to reach for food to solve every problem. Not to say I don't get upset, that I don't have resentments, that I don't get angry. I'm human and I'll never rise above that, as they say. And however I deal with life with this God, with this grace of this God, and um, it's knowing, this inner knowing in my heart of hearts that I'm never alone. And it can be something that sounds so little to someone last night, someone in my group reached out to do a 10th step and I had such trepidation and it took all I could to, to respond and say, I'm available. And I could only do that by knowing I wasn't alone in that. I wasn't responsible for the outcome of that. I had this loving, kind 
God energy entity, however you want to refer to it, with me. And whenever I am in doubt, I have this precious, exquisite memory of being at a, re, uh, I was, did a five-day silent retreat in Kentucky. And one morning I walked up on this hill and the hills of Kentucky are beautiful and Kentucky is beautiful. I walked up on this hill in silence and watched the sun rise. And I could hear the world waking up and hear the cows and the aromas of the hay and the flowers in the fields. And at moment, I knew there is something far greater than I am. And I am still touched by that memory. And I thank you. Have a great day, everybody. And I pass. Bye-bye. Thank you, Anne. Okay, Nancy P., you're up, followed by Nicola. Hi, thanks for letting me share. Nancy P. from Boston. Um, Yeah, whenever this thing of a personal relationship with God comes up, I wonder if I'm even a member of the club. I mean, I believe not so much that there was a God, but really I thought that only that other people, just not me. The same as I thought of how and anyone else ever going to get recovered, I'd say, you know, I'd see the other women and say, how come her and not me? And I felt really that was about being thin. And then when I got, you know, like more into it, I would say, well, other people definitely believe in God. And I've, you know, I've said this many times about how I had this horrible confession to make about how I'm not sure that I believe in God. And my sponsor blew it off and said, wait for the spiritual awakening. It won't, it hasn't happened at step three. It doesn't happen until later. And, um, so what I've since come to know and not really believe is that it takes work. And the knowledge, you know, that I have of a higher power is not a one and done. So every day I have to do something to bolster my belief or to, you know, to bolster my knowledge. I don't like to talk about even belief. I'm really sort of, you know, skittish around it. And, and you know, further what I've come to know is that I feel serene and loving when I work with others. And serene and loving and, you know, serene and loving and treat, you know, love and tolerance of others is our code. Serene and loving is what I would think that a higher power is. So I quantify that as feeling the nearness of my creator. And um, as a previous speaker said, living by spiritual principles is how I feel the nearness of my creator. So I think that since I can't do it as a one and done, that my whole life is a prayer to connect with my higher power. So you know, sometimes I feel a little more disconnected or a little less connected or a little less like I have this knowledge. You know, I'm a data-driven chick. So I have, you know, I feel like some days I have less knowledge and some days I have more knowledge of my creator. But whatever it is, as long as I live by spiritual principles, I'll be like a tea bag. You know, I'll be steeping in it. And, um, you know, and so it takes work. And so every day is something. And every day I can say I've done something. And so I just have to take it on faith that, you know, it'll be okay and then I'll get what I need when I need it. And so far, you know, if I only look at the fact that I haven't hurt myself with food in, you know, 20 months, then I'll take it. You know, that is completely a miracle. Not a mystery, as my sponsor says, but it is a miracle. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Nicola H. followed by Surrey. Hi, this is Nicola H from the UK, and uh, I'll keep my share brief as my first share, and I'm terrified. <laughs> uh, 
um, yeah, just jumping in to share how um, coming into recovery, 12-step recovery, about three and a half years ago, um, I was delighted to hear that there was um, a God and that, that this was a spiritual program. And I thought, well, that won't be my problem. I have a wonderful relationship. I've been um, rescued for 20 years. And, um, yeah, it all fitted in very well, um, but yet that has been my biggest problem, and uh, I really just had no idea that I was quite so selfish and that I was so um, controlling of my life and wanting to run it my way, and God has really had to let me drop lower and lower and lower until I get to the point where I could actually see that. Um, and also to, uh, yeah, I'm just very thankful that I, I have an eating disorder or that I, I am a binge eater, overeater, and I've had anorexia and bulimia in the past. And I've come to the point now that I'm thankful for it because um, this has brought me this relationship with God to a level that I've never knew was possible. And I'm just starting to go on this journey um, with God and you know, he is my friend, he is my father. Um, and I thought I could say that before, but now I really can. Um, he's given me more than I could dream of. And um, I'm just very thankful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nicola. Okay, Thursday, you're up, followed by Debbie E. Hi, uh, good morning, uh, seriously compulsive overeater. Um, every day you wonder what you need to do, and I, I, I keep looking for somebody else to tell me, sponsor to tell me, um, God to tell me, my boss to tell me, my parents tell me what to do, how to go into today, and it's so fearful that, you know, as an adult growing up, right, we have to grow up. This is a program where you have to face yourself head on, right? And part of it is, right, mentioning is that you have to grow up because this should be an entirely personal affair with each one deciding for himself with the light of past association um, or, his, uh, or his present choice. You have to make, I have to make my own choices. I have to take my own actions, my parent, my boss, my, my friend, my husband can't tell me what the best course of action is. I have to know. And so often we rely on what we thought we knew. And, and, and it's so funny because when it came to food, food was where I controlled it in an era of anxiety where everybody is suffering from something and most people are taking something and everybody's look, seeking for an outside form of a solution. Here is OA. Here is a fellowship that says, no, grow up. Take, make, take an action. Act as if. Identify in. And then make a choice. Choose. Take action. And act. Right? You can't just... So I've, my program is falling apart. And I thought I was absent, but I wasn't. And I thought I was, but I wasn't. And you know what? I can, 
my sponsor can't tell me if I'm abstinent. Only I can tell myself if I'm abstinent today. I think I did have abstinence for about a week, but then it fell apart. And here I am going and saying, and by the way, that was my first week of abstinence where I wasn't about the food. And it was abstinence to the, on that level. And then it fell apart. And here I am right now working towards abstinence again and starting today afresh. I'm so grateful for this fellowship and so grateful for everything because it is just beautiful. This fellowship of people who are associating, who finding it doesn't make a difference which religious body you're in, but rather that you're seeking a solution. You're choosing to take action in a positive way. You're choosing to identify with the people around you as different as they are. It's so beautiful. It's such a gift. And uh, I just, with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Suri. Okay, Gabby E., you're up. And then we'll have time for a couple more. Hi, this is Debbie E. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Thank you, Debbie. Go ahead. Okay, now Hi, we can, can you hear me? You. Yeah, now okay. we can. Hi. Yeah. So, okay. It's really special to be part of such a beautiful group of people who are working on themselves and saying so many beautiful things. So I just want to talk about this issue of what is the connection between my eating and having a connection with, with God? Coming into these rooms, really the thing that makes made me come into the rooms is really wanted to lose the weight. And then you hear everybody talking about a spiritual connection and what what are they talking about? And I always believed that, I always knew that I was a believer. And not only was I a believer, I was a speaker. I would speak in front of crowds of people about spiritual things, about things that were so logical and so meaningful. And what was it? It was just seeing that God is ultimate, he's omnipotent, he sees beyond. And because we're limited human beings, we only see a piece of the puzzle, but knowing that he's beyond. And yet something was missing in what it was because I kept eating. And here it was, this group was saying that if you have a spiritual transformation and a connection with a higher power, it will help you. So I spent time and I stopped and I thought about it. And I said, what is this? You know, recognizing God in my daily life, that's what a design for living means. It means that not just me knowing it logically, it means that when I'm stuck and I'm in a situation where I have a buildup of emotions, I have something that happens to me, somebody says, throws out a statement that whether he means to hurt me or she means to hurt me or not, it hurts me and I have this feeling and I reach for eating something. If I have that design of living and I have a conversation with a power that's greater than myself who sees much, much beyond me and I understand that I'm being tested or that this was something that's supposed to happen in my life, I won't reach out my hand and grab that food. Am I implementing the serenity prayer? I'm accept- am I accepting his will? Am I saying thy will, not mine, be done? Or am I being defiant and saying, I know all these answers, and I want my life to be what I want it to be and what things make it to be. But, you know, when we get up to bat, the ball sometimes comes from a different direction. So I'm working just on this, living by spiritual inspiration. That means that stopping a second, pausing, 
when I have this buildup of emotions, asking help from my higher power. And that's what, for me, practicing the spiritual principles is. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, So it is, we have time for, well, there's four minutes left, so we have two people share for two minutes. We have two people with a desire to share this morning. Hi, this is Lynn F. in Pennsylvania. I'd like to share. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Lynn. Um, Good morning, fellows, and thank you for your service this morning, Katie. And um, when I read this this paragraph, I think of my own personal connection to a higher power and how weak it was in hindsight when I came into the program. But the beauty of it is that it grew, that Recovered Fellows literally opened the door for me and welcomed me. And and that began my transformation of my understanding of a higher power. And I had used many things in my life to block that experience. Um, while I was a, re- I would have been, you know, um, air quote a religious person. It didn't translate to my personal situation, and um, it was through recovery, and it is through recovery today that my God continues to um, grow and expand, and my spiritual connection continues um, but it started by identifying what was blocking me and and putting that down and that was um, more food you know I, I consumed food uh, to block my um, my feeling and my connection and that's all I've got thanks for letting me share thank you Lynn okay we have a little over about a minute and a half if someone would like to share This is Sue B. Okay, Sue, thank you. Thank you, and thank you everyone on the line for your insights and your sharing. It really means a lot. And for me, um, I was religious, and but I hadn't had that spiritual experience. So I'm so grateful for OA and Vision especially for helping me Define that spiritual experience. Um, But at the same time, not not a but really, as well as the same time, um, I see the promises from the big book and I love them, but I also see the promises in my Bible and I love them too. So I thank you that OA and Vision have not separated me from Um, all the promises that are available. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who shared. It was so nice to hear such a variety of voices this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Monday, May 28th, not Monday, Tuesday, May 28th, 7 a.m. meeting is 12,962. That's 12,962. And now we will close with the reading from the big book on page 164, 
followed by the serenity prayer. Will Amy G. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I would be more than happy to. Hi, Katie G. Thank you, everyone, for your service today in an awesome meeting. Katie G. Katie F. I'm sorry. (laughs) Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will confidently to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 